Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on a beautiful Sunday morning? Amen. Aren't you glad it's not that hot today? I mean, this is pretty good stuff. We're going to take this. That's all right. Well, it's great to see everybody today. We're going to have an awesome service. So uh, hang on to your seats. We're going to do some really great stuff today. I want to uh, thank everybody for last Sunday. Uh, we had a wild time at pastor's birthday party last Sunday night. Who was here for that? Hey, there, we haven't had one like that in a long time. We we were partying and uh, man, the, the winds and the rains came and the lights went out and uh, there, there was children swimming in mud puddles because they'd never seen water because they're from the desert. So I, in fact, my four-year-old was doing a backstroke. I was like, what just happened? He, I, I was just impressed he could swim. So that was good stuff. But thank you everybody for that. And uh, we love our pastors. So we super appreciate that. Amen. Well, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to open our service by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Can we stand up together today? Praise the Lord. We're going to stand up together and we will continuously say that we walk by faith, not by sight. And we believe that America is coming to Jesus. Amen. And we are going to keep interceding for this. All right. So let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning, amen. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated today. All right, well, a couple of quick announcements here for you. So our High Desert Word Center Facebook t-shirt contest is officially underway, all right? So, hey, I haven't seen any good posts yet, so I need you guys to, to help us out. Um, but um, if you're going to do this, we're going to put the hashtag High Desert Word Center, hashtag I love my church, and you need to be sure to either tag me or the church in it. That way we actually see it because I don't want you to, you know, do that and then nobody see it. We want to make sure that we give you the, uh, the due credit that you deserve for helping out, all right? So I've got a few pictures just to refresh your memory. All right, I've been digging up old pictures uh, from some of the previous contests. And so, uh, Maylee, can you go ahead and help us refresh our memory on this? Go ahead and pull up the, um, the there we go. All right, so here we go. Here's, here's just some ideas for uh, reminding you of what we're going for. So on the far left, I think this is 2018, if I'm not mistaken, but that's Alex. He was so nice that he bought an extra shirt and gave it to the Barstow Police Department. And so I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> then we've got Dave over here with his niece, Alexis, all right? So Dave did awesome there. Then we've got Norma, and that's a little, is Norma in here? Norma, there you go. That's a little tiny Ian. That must, so this must be several years ago. He's like four times that size now, but he's still just as cute, cute kid. So anyway, these are some ideas. Roll, go ahead and roll to the next ones. 
we got a few more. Here's Leah, and uh, repping the shirt. There's uh, Sonia Berry. She may be watching online. She lives in Vegas now, but Sonia, if you're watching online, we love you. There's Heather and Jose. Look at those cuties. Look at them. Where are, where are they? Look at that. Look at that. Jose, oh, come on, look at you. look just the same. This is beautiful, all right? I don't know how many years ago this uh, This is either 2016 or 18. I think it was 16, but they look so good. All right, and then our last page of a few more. Oh, in fact, there's uh, uh, Maxine's granddaughter, Adelina, all right, in a go-kart. There is Alex with Donald Trump at the Eiffel Tower. That's good. I don't know. He pulled a lot of strings. Uh, I gave him some of my phone numbers and connections. And then there's me and my happy place, Teasy Beasy, Taco Bell, and Big Bear. Because the Barstow one is coming to Jesus and it needs prayer. Pray for the Barstow Taco Bell. It is in serious need. I'm not bad-mouthing, but they got to get some things together. So that's at the Big Bear one, all right? So that's just a few ideas of what you can do for the T-shirt contest. Now listen, um, if you ordered a shirt... They are coming in this week. They'll be available on this coming Sunday. So if you ordered one, we have some extras that are coming in. So if you didn't pre-order, uh, there's still a chance that you could score one of those awesome shirts and represent the church merch. Can somebody say amen? I, it sounded good in my head. But anyway, all right. I'm going to let Katie go ahead and finish up uh, <laughs> some real announcements, Some uh, probably some important things that I'm just skipping over. All right, there we go. Church merch. For real. Anyway, uh, so this week has a few busy things going on. Um, Pastor Dave and I will be out of town with no cell phone service. We love you. Talk to Jesus this week, okay? Um, so we will be out of town this week, which means the women's Bible study is not going to happen this week. It'll be the following week, okay? So just catch up on your reading, spend some time with Jesus Tuesday night, or go fellowship with each other in the Lord. That will be great. Next Sunday, though, is super fun and important. We have Dana and Liz Nile with us. Yeah. That's really amazing for several reasons, because we haven't really had a guest speaker in a while, but we have definitely not had any of our missionaries in in a long time. So this will be a really, really great opportunity to hear about the mission field and to hear what they have to pour into us, to include another part of the body of Christ so that we can be built up and we can bless them as well. So that'll be really great. Also next Sunday is Children's Church Promotion Sunday. So all the youngins are moving up in their classes. So parents, next Sunday, your students will be in their next class up. It'll be their first week in their new class if they're moving up. So if you have a preschool or a kindergartner moving up, so a kindergartner is going to be in jam. They will move to Victory Hall. If you have a fifth grader next Sunday... They're going to let them in, but it's the last one, and then they're mine, okay? Then they're mine, so you send them on Wednesday early, okay? So next Sunday, make sure that you're here and be here early with bells on. It'll be great, and Miss P has some really awesome, amazing information. A lot of you have been asking about SMTI, and she has got some information to share with you about that. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. SMTI stands for Supernatural Ministers Training Institute, Dr. Barclays Bible College. How many people, how many SMTI graduates do I have here? Stand up. 
stand up if you're an SMTI graduate already. Okay, we got a lot of them. All right. Yeah, all right. And then there's a bunch of them probably in the children's ministry this morning that are SMTI graduates. Well, we haven't had the, uh, the Bible college for a couple of years, but you guys have been asking about it. So um, I want to give you some information for those of you who are not familiar with it. I have a sign-up sheet back on the info booth. So if you're interested at all in Bible college, then please sign up because I have to uh, get some packets from Dr. Barclay's ministry up in Michigan. So we have uh, the, the Bible college is a three-year Bible college. You can go to just year one if you want or just year two if you want, or you can go to year three, uh, you know, get all three of them. Um, the Bible college is nine months long. It goes from September to May through to May. There's a $25 application fee, and it's $700 for the year. It meets on Monday nights from 6 to 9, three hours every week. You can pay monthly for the uh, the $700 thing. Um, you're required to keep a notebook. That notebook is graded. There's a midterm and there's a final, and uh, you're graded on attendance and if you're late and, you know, all kinds of stuff because, you know, you need to step up, step up to the plate for some of this stuff. So if you're interested, please sign up at the info booth. Cletus is our, uh, where are you at? Cletus is our dean of uh, SMTI, so praise God for that. And also, uh, at, the, at the end of the year, we always have a graduation ceremony with caps and gowns and the whole nine yards. So uh, please, if you're interested, sign up quickly because i got to get the stuff back to us. Amen. All right, everybody good with that? Okay. All right. Well, guess what time it is? It's happy time, and we're going to do a couple of things today. First of all, I want to give you uh, a tithe and offering scripture. Well, this is just a tithing scripture, actually. It's Leviticus 27 and verse 30 is our tithing scripture for today. It's short and sweet, but to the point. Leviticus 27:30 says this, And all the tithe of the land. How much of it? Didn't say a, a tip. It says you don't tip God, right? Whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. Is it yours? Is it yours? Whose is it? It's the Lord's. And it is holy to the Lord. So if it's holy to the Lord, then it needs to be holy to us as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so that's my tithe and offering scripture. And then also today... We are receiving a special offering, birthday offerings for both Pastor Dave and Katie. Uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Katie's birthday was July the 21st, and Pastor Dave's was yesterday on the 24th. On July 31st, they'll be married for 17 years. Woo! They got married right when they turned 19, so they were baby brides and grooms. But they've been together all these years. They both went to Rhema Bible Training Center, Brother Hagen School, for two years. But at the same time, they also went to Oklahoma Wesleyan University, two different colleges at the very same time. Amen. I'm going to say this. I'm going to stop myself. If you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand, okay, for tithes and offerings. Or if you want to have an envelope for Pastor David Katie, if you're writing out a check to them, write it out to them personally, not the church. Okay. Um, Katie earned a degree in youth ministry, right? And Pastor Dave earned a degree in pastoral ministry and Christian ministry, right? Okay. Um, then Pastor Dave went on to receive a bachelor's degree from West, College, West Coast Bible College. 
So that was out here in California. So he's got his bachelor's degree in Christian ministry. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. I just say that because I think it's cool, you know, because they were kids when they went to college and, you know, they did a great job. They had ramen noodles. I remember we flew them. We must have flown you out because you didn't have any money. We flew you out for what was it, Christmas or something? Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And we met them at the airport, and I thought David looked like death warmed over. He had, he had, they had, didn't have any food to eat but ramen noodles, you know. I mean, that's very non-nutritional. <laughs> In case you didn't look at the salt content and all those things. So I thought I was really concerned about him, and we took them out to eat at a, on the way back at Buffalo Bill's uh, buffet. Yeah, and he got, they got sick eating the food because they weren't used to eating that much food. <laughs> they were used to starving, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, so much for that. Um, they are both extremely anointed in what they do. Amen. Uh, Pastor Katie excels in youth ministry. She loves your youth. She's also excellent in the business dealings that she does for the college. I mean, for the for the for the church. Um, she could sell oceanfront property in California. She's that good. In Arizona, I mean, in Arizona, she's that good. The rest of us are. But she's great at business, so she does all the business dealings that we have to do with any of the businesses and stuff. So anyway, that's good stuff. And what amazes me about them is how the Holy Ghost led them to lead us through COVID last year. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I just, it was amazing, absolutely amazing what they did. And uh, I tell you what, they did get some flack from other people in town ministers of the gospel, and Pastor Dave said, um, I follow God, not man. And so I praise God for that, because that's our heart. We follow God, we don't follow man. So anyway, praise the Lord. Oh, I do want to read a scripture for them, and that's in 1 Timothy, if I get myself there, 1 Timothy 5.17 says this, let the elders, they're considered pastoral elders, who rule well, they do that. Be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. In other words, that would be terrible if they had to go get secular work to do the job that God has called them to do. Because if you don't know it or not, that really waters down the anointing. They've got to be able to focus full-time on what the Lord has them to do. So, anyway, happy birthday to you both. Happy anniversary at the end of the year. And uh, do we have anybody holding the birthday the birthday bucket? Uh, Miss Kathy's got over here. The rest of your tithes and offerings go over here. So let's say our financial faith confession, and then we will turn this on over to the praise team. Amen. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs. Promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand up if we can.
Feel free to worship with us at the altar. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. God, you do great things. of heaven, you conquered the grave, you free every captive, and break every chain, oh God, you have done great things, we dance in your freedom, awaken alive, oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great And amen, you will do great things. God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom. Awake and alive, oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah. 
seated. You can be seated. Pastor Dave's going to preach in a minute, but the Lord uh, gave me a word of knowledge to help some people with. I want to look at Luke 4.18. I want to, I want to set this up. I want to look at, 4, 8, look at Luke 4.18. If this is you today, this is your day. Jesus is going to set you free. He's going to help you. Amen. How, how many want to be all you can be for Jesus? Amen. Don't want the devil or anything else holding you back. Luke 4.18. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this 
And how many know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And if you want to know what Jesus will do today, then read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What he did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is what he'll do today in Barstow, California, because he changes not. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recover the sight to the blind, blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. He said he's anointed by the Holy Spirit to set the captives free, to set at liberty. You know what liberty is? That's freedom. And, you know, we think about we just had July the 4th. Well, that, that was our celebration of Independence Day to where we were set at liberty from people in a foreign land wanting to control our nation. Well, there's people in the body of Christ that love Jesus with all their heart. But the devil has addictions on them. And addictions could be to nicotine, to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, food addictions, eating too much of the wrong things, eating too much and just want to be free from that. And just anything, anything that has a hold on your life that's making you do things you don't want to do, that you hate to do, and you keep on doing them anyway, and you repent, and you think, man, I'm free. And then it comes back again. That's an addiction. And Jesus said, it's because of the Spirit of the Lord on him that anointed him to help people. Well, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me this morning, and I'm anointed to get you delivered. But the Lord told me to tell it to you like this. There's no need to pray for anybody that hasn't already been crying out. Because if you have things that you're doing that are wrong, and you're just in that rut where you don't really care, you haven't really been praying about it, you just gave up anyway, it would be kind of hard to help you today. But I, I mean, you can get prayer. But here I can guarantee results. If you're a Christian and something's been on you and holding on to you over and over and over and over again, and you have sincerely been crying out to God, and said, Jesus, help me, help me. I don't like this. Oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. And then you do it again. And you're sorry. You say, Jesus, oh, help me. Well, when the devil gets a stronghold on you, you can't whip him in the flesh. It takes the Spirit of God. It takes the anointing of God. And the only way you can truly get set free is for you to be involved in the process. And so... I can tell you this, what I saw in the Spirit. I saw like plugging something into a power receptacle. The power receptacle is full of power, but does nothing unless something's plugged into it that's ready to receive. And so when you hook up to the power, a piece of equipment, and the equipment's right, and it's turned into receiver mode, then that power will come through there, go into that receiver mode, and make the thing work right. And so... I want to lay hands on anyone that wants it. But if you're not in receiver mode, it's not going to make any difference. You have to be plugged in, hooked up and saying, Jesus, 
this is my point of contact. That when Pastor Samples lays hands on me and speaks words of faith, I believe that the Spirit of the Lord's upon him. He's anointed, and nobody needs to know what addiction you're dealing with except you and Jesus. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. It may be something really, 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 really gross. It may be something simple, like you just can't get away from chocolate ice cream and you're eating so much you know it's killing you. And every time you go to the store, you say, I'm not going to go past the ice cream aisle. Something jerks you, and you go to the ice cream aisle. And you come home, and you think, oh, man, I was going to eat a half a bowl, and I ate the whole half gallon again. No, I'm serious. Those things get up. That's the devil wanting to steal, kill, destroy your life. And so if there's an addiction, and I want to tell you what addiction I'm talking about, something that you hate with all of your heart. Yet here it comes again. And you fell for it again. Boy, it's obvious that only the Spirit of God can set you free then. Amen? And so, I want to read you one more verse. I want to look at John chapter 8, verse 36. And because once you get delivered, it's up to you to stay delivered. I want to say it again. Once Jesus sets you free, it's up to you to stay free. Okay, John 8, 36, Jesus himself said this. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall what? Be free indeed. Be free indeed. Well, the Son told me to pray for you that wanted. And so Jesus is not a deceiver. He would not tell me to pray for people with addictions if he wasn't going to do something about it. And so we got to always remember this. Anything that God's, God ever does, there's the God part and the man part. Well, the God part today is this. He put it in the man, myself, the pastor, put it in my heart to call out people that were addicted. And now, if that's been in your heart, you want him to set you free, then your part is to respond. And then my part, I lay hands on you, I speak words of faith, and then God does his part because the Spirit of the Lord's upon me to set you free. And then your part is this. If you come up here for prayer, here's your part, how to keep it. When I lay hands on you and speak words of faith, the Spirit of God is going to flow through me like power from heaven. And whether it's a demonic thing on you or whether it's a flesh thing or a combination of both, most of the time it's a combination of both, an addiction. But when I pray for you, whether you feel anything or you don't feel anything, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me. And when I speak words of faith in the name of Jesus, something's going to take place. And then here's your part. Write that John 8:36 down. Keep it in your purse, in your pocket, on your wall, on your phone. Look at that every day. And the next time the thief comes back to tempt you, Jesus called him the tempter. He comes back to try to make you again fall for that addiction. You look at that verse, if you got it written out on your phone in the Bible, you read it out loud. And you just say this. You say, devil, the son has set me free, and I'm free indeed. 
So in Jesus' name, you're never going to get me again. That's your part. That's your part. If you don't do that, then you'll lose what you got. But if you really want free, when I obey God and I pray for you, the Son, therefore, shall make you free. You're what? You're free indeed. And you'll be delivered. And I'll tell you what I know. Within a short time in this season of life, the next few weeks, you're going to realize you hadn't fell for that for such a long time. You think, that's amazing. I didn't think I could ever shake that. I, I just didn't. And you'll say, well, the sun set me free. That's why I'm free indeed. Amen? Amen. So if that's you and something's really been getting a hold of you, come up here. I'm going to pray for you. And Jesus is going to knock that thing out today. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you this. You know, it's like having a monkey on your back. Why, if, if God's talking to you right now, why would you still be in your seat? I want to leave here if that stupid monkey on your back still tried to steal your faith and steal your anointing. Amen. I'll tell you what, I've come up in lines like this before for altar calls like this, and I've got set free, and I love it. I like being free. And as I said, this is totally between you and Jesus. I don't want to know what's been bothering you because I know this, the devil's behind it. I know the answer is the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God. So I'm going to lay hands on you, and when I do, you have to do something like this. Whisper some words out of your mouth to the effect of this, Jesus, I want to thank you. The pastor's laid hands on me, and I know that you've worked through him. You've set me free, and I'm free. Amen. Amen. Just pastor, come up with me. And congregation, stay hooked up with us. Extend your hands this way. Pray in tongues if you're a tongue talker. And just just imagine if this were you wanting free, you were up here, you want you want your family hooked up with your faith, wouldn't you? It's a terrible thing to have something trying to steal your faith and cried out to get free and about to the point of giving up. But glory to God, today's your day.
I want to tell you this is very real. It's very real. That I want to remind you again for everybody that was prayed for. You're the one that James 4, 7 says, you submit to God, you resist the devil. He flees from you. And just because we got rid of him doesn't mean he won't try to come back. He's a sneak thief. And your response at the first inkling or sign of that thing trying to get back in your life immediately, immediately have yourself an automatic pilot. You immediately say, no, devil. John 8, 36 says, the son set me free. I'm free indeed. You are no longer part of my life. I don't want you. You're out of here. Jesus, I love you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. I'll tell you what, we had church already, but I'm sure Pastor Dave has something excellent. And by the way, as he comes up, I want to thank everybody that gave in my birthday offering last week blessed me for the party you put together, the celebration we had together. It was great being together last Sunday night. And, and also, I want to say this. I wrote my journal. I think this is one of the most memorable birthdays I've had since I can't remember when. I love my birthday because of my family and because of my spiritual family. Thank you. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, man, what a great time we're uh, already having today. God's moving in our midst. And and so I, I praise God for that. Can we stand up for just one more minute together this morning? I want to make sure that we transition to the sermon the right way and not just, you know, go cold <laughs> straight into this. So can we just sing that even when I don't see it, you're working the bridge maybe in time again. Okay. 
there's one thing the devil doesn't like. There's a lot of things he doesn't like, but he hates to see a strong Christian family because you are a monumental threat to his plans in the world and in the United States of America. And he will attack families and try to rip them apart and do everything he can because a married mom and a dad, and, you know, we'll just go on the record, uh, moms and dads, you should get married to each other. (laughs) If you're going to do the house thing, you need to be married. God cannot put his blessing on you outside of that. I'm sorry, but you need to be married. But on top of that, a married mom and a dad raising Christian godly children in the ways of God, that is a dynamite threat to him because you're going to raise children inside of a, a godly family, inside of a church that know how to use the word of God. They know how to take authority over the power of darkness and Satan and his kingdom. They know right from wrong, and that is a huge threat. And so over like the last 50 years, California was the first state to introduce the no-fault divorce law. But since that, every state followed after that, 49 other states. And really since, for all the time, but in the last 50 years, it has just been a huge attack against families trying to rip them apart. And I hate to see that. I don't like to see family. And that's a big part of what we do around here is get families restored. Amen. How many in here that somehow through God's word and high desert word center and the people of God, your family's been brought back together. And that's what we want to see. Amen. And so uh, I'm going to pray that we're going to get into the word of God and we're going to talk about three ingredients. Now there, I mean, there is a long list of things that uh, go into making a triumphant, successful family, but we're going to talk about three main things today. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much for a church to gather in, God. We thank you that we get to come together with our brothers, with our sisters, and learn and see the word of God and worship our heavenly Father together. We thank you, Lord, for this. I pray that you will bless this time to get today in the message. I pray in Jesus' name that, that you'll speak to us, you'll show us things, you'll encourage us, Lord. And Lord, anybody that's been struggling and having a hard time with their family, God, I pray that you will show us some things today to give us the victory. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Let's dig into this and see what God's got to say today. All right. And so first of all, who in here, you are part of a family. That is a good percentage of the people. And that's good. And in fact, every one of you is a part of a family somehow. If, if Even if you're not married with kids, you're part of a family. And, and so this applies to all of us. But Here's a few things that God's really spoke to my heart and really some things that I've learned. And so these are very practical, okay? Number one is this, ingredients for triumphant family. Number one, don't be easily offended. Don't be easily offended. And and I, I mean, the, the, I'm just very, very serious about this, that you cannot be uber sensitive and successfully raise a family or successfully be a, you have, there's some things that you're going to have to not be so sensitive about, not so offended about, not so touchy about. And, and, and well, you know, how do you know this pastor Dave? Because, Hey, let's just get real. I'll, I'll be vulnerable. 
I'm a pretty soft guy. I'm a pretty sensitive guy. And, and you know, that's why we, uh, we joke about it, but that's why I was a failure at telemarketing. That was my college job. Katie and I in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we got hired to be telemarketers. And there's a lot of people in this world that are hated, but telemarketers are way up at the top of that list. And you call somebody and I had I needed the money. It's not that I like to sell things. I hate to sell things. I am awful at selling things. I'm like somebody could be burning on fire and I'd have a hard time selling them a bucket of water. Like I it's just I'm not a salesman. And some people are really good at it. Katie is one of those people. And so she kept getting promoted up the company ladder. I literally demoted myself. Literally. I was like, you know, find some I'll go clean the bathrooms, get me off of those phones because you know, that's a very, uh, very low success rate in that business, and you're getting yelled at and cursed at and threatened and every. I mean, just it's it's bad, and I don't like that. Some people getting yelled at and cursed at and threatened. You know, I don't. They they don't mind it at all. It's not my thing, and and so I'm kind of a soft guy in a lot of ways. And so in my life, though, I have had to make the conscious effort to not be sensitive and to not get easily offended because that creates a very fragile environment in your household if you just let things get to you all the time. And so there's a, and, and, and let, let me just say this. If there's one thing that our current culture is really good at, it's being offended. Have you noticed that? You can't say anything without offending somebody. And that is a dangerous and weak way to be, uh, and and it's across the board. And I mean, it it would be funny, and I could tell jokes and make fun of it if it wasn't destroying our society in such a great way. But offense is a dangerous thing. And so we think about people these days. You know, you 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 look at them the wrong way, you pronounce their name wrong or something, and next thing you know, they want to burn your house down because they're so offended. And then I look on the other hand at Jesus Christ as he went to the cross. It says he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, but didn't even say a word. First Peter 2, 24 and 23, it says that he was insulted and, and beaten, but he didn't retaliate. He didn't even say a word. And now there's people these days, if they even think that you thought something that you thought that they think that they thought, they want to come after you and go after your kids and your mama and your newborn, and they want to destroy your life. And it's called cancel culture, and it's called all these different things. And I'm telling you, that is a attack from the devil. And if you don't watch out, even as a Christian in your own household and family, you'll become very easily offended and very sensitive and there are some, th- I'm not saying that you overlook every little thing. I mean, you got to, there's, but listen to me, if you let every little thing get under your skin and get offended about it, that is dangerous to your family and to your marriage. And it will undermine and destroy what you've been working so hard for. We've got to toughen up in some areas. And so look at this Psalm 119, Psalm 119. Can we go over there? Amen. Are you still glad you came to church today? All right. Psalm 119, and just think, everything we're preaching right now, we're, it, it's, it's to your spouse, it's not to you. Just think of it that way. Apply it to them, not to yourself, if you could. I'm kidding, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, people do that to me. 
I, one time I preached a message about something, and, and, uh, and I think it was along these lines, and I had this lady, she was the queen of being, I, I, she took being offended to a whole other level. It was, it was nearly impressive how things she could find to be offended. You see the color of the carpet? Why'd you pick that? I am offended. Okay, why? There's specks of purple. And I didn't like Barney the Dinosaur when I was a toddler, so now I'm offended. And, I mean, I'm, I'm being extreme here, but it was like that. And so I talked, and she comes, and she's like, man, I'm glad you preached that. That My husband needed to hear that. I tell you what, that jerk, he needed that. And I'm like, lady, I had you in mind, sister. You were the one. But anyway, so don't ever, when you listen to a sermon, when you listen to the word, quit thinking about, man, my husband, he needs to hear this. That dude is tore up. He is a jerk. No, apply it to your life. Apply it to you. Psalm 119, verse 165 in the King James Version, just like Paul himself used. Amen. Look at this. It says, great peace have they which love thy law. Amen. And what? Nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. And so I can tell you this much. Somebody that gets offended all the time, I can tell you they are not somebody that's in the word of God. I will guarantee you, I will not go back on that statement. If you're somebody that easily gets offended, easily gets just anything, just throws you off all the time, you're hurt and offended and sensitive and upset, and you can't get along with anybody, I know one thing about you. I probably know others, but one thing for sure, you are not spending time in the word of God. And I will see and put that in my own life. Times that I'm sensitive and a little sissy and offended. And uh, listen, those are times, if I look back on it, there are times that I have not been spending the proper amount of time in God's word. Why? Because if I am loving God's law, if I am loving his word, if I am spending time with him, there's a couple things that are going to happen in my life. There's a lot of things, but two things from this verse, I'm going to have great peace. So anytime someone comes up and says, man, I just don't have any peace, no peace at all. I can't get no peace. There's no peace in my life. Have you been spending very much time with the word? Oh, yeah, I'm saturated in the word. Eh, nope. No, you're not. Because there's no way that you saturate yourself in the word of God and you don't have great peace or else the Bible's a lie. And I choose that you're the one that's probably wrong. But if we love God's law, love his word, and I've got dozens of other verses to back this up, but, but follow me, you're going to have great peace and nothing shall offend them. And so in our homes, in our lives, in our families, if you want great peace, the word of God is going to have to be king. It's going to have to be a priority, not an afterthought in your life. And it's and, and, and listen, this will change the way you live your life. You're not going to be easily offended about things. And so I'll say this for me because I, I love the word of God and I do my best to make it an absolute priority in my life every single day of the week, every day of the year. I love God's word. But a big breakthrough for me was choosing to not be sensitive. You realize the power of choice in your life? There's a lot of things that used to bug me and get under my skin and, and used to offend me and irritate me and, and, and upset me that, you know what, I just choose to not let it get to me anymore. Well, it's not that simple. I, I remember this episode, I, this may be a bad example, but 
we were watching this episode a long time ago of Seinfeld, the TV show. And this guy from high school wanted to challenge him to a race. And Seinfeld knew this guy can beat him. There's no way I can beat him. And so his response was always, I choose not to run. I choose not to run. And so in my life, even though things could be taken the wrong way, things could come at, I choose not to be offended. I choose not to be sensitive. I choose to not let things just get to me. I choose to overlook things that my own family and my own friends and my own church family and my own people, I choose to overlook things. Like, well, I wish I could do that. You can do that. But if you want to create a stable environment in your home and in your family and be a triumphant family, you're going to have to to choose to overlook some things and not be sensitive and not let things get to you. And living in a large family, anybody in here, you're from kind of a large family, three, four or more kids, okay? You have opportunities by the day, right? You have opportunities, I mean, even if there's just a couple people, but you have nonstop opportunities to choose to let things get to you. And I was just thinking about it. This last Sunday morning, I didn't tell anybody this, except what my family knows because they were there. But right before we were supposed to leave for church, I super glued my fingers together. Literally. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, no. And my daughter comes. In fact, I see the shoes right there into the front row that did. I don't know why those shoes are there, but I'm having flashbacks now. But Ellie comes up to me, Dad, my, my sandals are broken. Can you, can you fix them? Can you super glue them? And at my house, I keep the super glue in the safe. I learned that. It's kept in a safe. I'm not lying. So I run upstairs to the safe. I get the super glue out, and I fix her. I'm like, okay, there we go, fixed. My hands were glued. These three were just like this, like I was a professor giving a speech, and I just always had something like, you know, this. And so I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be up there preaching. And the whole time, I'm going to be doing this. And they're going to think it's because I'm smart. And it's not. It's because my fingers are glued together. And so I'm like, I, you guys know I'm a pretty calm dude. But I'm like, Katie, get down here. And so she comes running with the uh, uh, fingernail polish. Remember? And truth be told, we know how to handle this because it's the third time it's happened to me in the last couple of years. So. <laughs> and this was probably the least of the three times. But anyway. She's just dousing me with this and pulling my fingers apart, and finally one comes off, and I see the skin ripping, and then finally the other one comes apart. I've never been more attempted to be offended at a nine-year-old girl than I was at that point in my life. I was, I was offended. I was like, well, fix your own sandals. Ugh. And so anyway, I shook it off, and I came to church, and I pr- tried to preach to you guys the best that I could. But what I'm saying is this, is that... There's opportunities every day. You can choose to dwell on these things. You can choose to just let it get to you. You you know, there's a right way to speak up and communicate, but there's also a right way and a right time to not be a little sissy and let everything make you mad. And I'm just speaking the truth. And if that offends you, then, well, I'm sorry. But but listen, there's some things worth there's some things you, you address and you communicate, and then there's some things that it's okay to just get over it and not start World War III over it. Can I get an amen? Just some things that I've learned along the way. Now, I, I have a large family, and I grew up 
with a large family. There was a total of eight kids in the family, and get this, one bathroom. You, yeah, and so fortunately there was about 100 acres of trees out back, so some of us boys figured out what to do from there, but I'm just saying, there was, there was opportunities, man. And of course, as we've said, we weren't, you know, exactly the richest people in the world. And so when you've got how many, there's five boys in the family, five boys. And listen, when you're coming down to that last piece of chicken or that last piece of pizza, and you know your brother's eyeballing it too, there is an opportunity for fist fights to break out over a, uh, over a chicken wing. Listen, me and Josh, we can eat fast. You, you've seen Joey Chestnut at the hot dog contest. That's the boys in our family if we're all there. Even now at Christmas, we're like, I will beat him. He's 40 years old, but I don't care. I'm going to beat him. And so you got to choose, though, in all seriousness, choose to not be easily offended. Parents towards your children. Children towards your parents. Husbands and wives towards each other. And it, it sounds like a joke, but I'm being absolutely serious. Absolutely serious. Don't be so sensitive. Amen. Now, uh, you don't you need, you need to not, you know, uh, the spouses and family member, you know, don't be mean to each other. Don't don't. That doesn't give us a chance to leave church today and say, you hear that jerk? Hear what he said? Don't get offended. No, I'm not talking about that. But at the same time, don't go out of your way to be mean, but don't go out of your way to constantly be offended and sensitive about every little thing that your family says, because inevitably things will be said. Things will be done that you don't appreciate very much, all right? Let me show you something here in James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Now, as we're turning there, um, you know, I I definitely probably wouldn't be considered like a, uh, a drill instructor dad, a drill sergeant. My family will tell you that. I, I am working on being more strict and all that fun stuff, but uh, I'm definitely, I'm not, you know, praise God for the dads and moms that are. It's not in my nature to go, you know, cracking the whip and, you know, ah, you know, give me 20. That's just not my nature. I, I, I need to do better with that. But I do have a couple of non-negotiable rules for the household. One of them is no glitter. You don't bring glitter into Pastor Dave's house or you get choke slammed through the hood of your car. Keep that devil magic away from my house. I hate that junk. That stuff is baloney. Glitter is of the devil. Now, Play-Doh is, is on that list also. It's getting close to the top. And then, parents, do you have kids that watch YouTube and watch these slime videos? I mean, what is up with that? But guess what else? That is just this close to being forbidden in my house. I hate slime, Play-Doh, but nothing is worse than glitter. If you show up with glitter, expect the door to be slammed in your face and sent to the road. You do not bring that junk to my house. But another non-negotiable rule is, don't take children into an antique shop. That's another non-negotiable. Don't even ask me. I will not take your kids into an antique shop. I will not take my kids into an antique shop because everything is so fragile and they want to touch everything that by the time we leave, you're hauling me out on a stretcher pumping oxygen into my chest because I'm about gone, They're about having a nervous breakdown. I've done this, I think, twice, taking them into uh, twice. <laughs> I will never do it again until probably they're in their mid-20s, early 30s. But it's just it, everything is breakable. Like, don't touch anything. I hate this. And, 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 and as, as sad and silly as that may sound, there's just a lot of people 
that are just the same way. They are so fragile. Don't touch. Don't say anything wrong. Don't look at them the wrong way. They're so fragile, you got to handle them with kid gloves, and you're on edge all the time, and it creates a very vulnerable, fragile atmosphere within your home. And it's dangerous. You should not have to walk around your house, oh, I I don't want to, don't say that, don't do that, or listen, don't put your family in that position. Don't do that. Don't be that way. James 3.16, James 3.16, we're also going to read this in the King James. Why in the King James? Because these couple of verses I've read are ones that my dad drilled into my head in the King James back in the mid-90s when I was a child. And, uh, and in fact, uh, my dad, uh, you know, we were word people, and we are word people, and we live our lives by the word of God. But he, did, he didn't want us kids fighting and arguing so much that he printed out a big uh, circular thing that looked like a no smoking sign, but so I had a, 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 a slash down the middle, but it said no strife on one side. And on the other side, it said James 3.16. And he hung it on the mirror of our Chevy van. And everywhere I would get picked up from baseball practice and, what's that, what's that on your van? I don't, I don't know. Never mind. I don't, I don't know what that is. I, I, you know, what do you say? How do you explain that? <laughs> it was a good thing. I'm glad we did it. I mean, I know these Bible verses for sure now. <laughs> James 3.16. And so we need to get these. It says, for where there, for where envying and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. Have you noticed that when there's strife, when there's fighting, when there's offense, when there's all this going on, there's confusion and every evil work. Have you ever been in an environment of strife, whether it's at work or at home or somewhere else, and you can just tell there's been, there's just a, a heaviness. There's a fog. There's a confusion. There's a cloud. And you're just like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't even know. What was I doing a minute ago? I forget what I was going to say. I forget what I was. I don't even know what's going on. There is a confusion and every evil work. This is the word of God, James 3, 16, where there's envying and strife. And so I'm encouraging us today. Yeah, we could sit there and say, yeah, there wouldn't be if my wife was nice. There wouldn't be if my kids respected me. There wouldn't be any of this if my husband could put his stinking socks where they go. Possibly. But at the same time, maybe there wouldn't be if you would build a bridge and get over it. If you would just choose to not be offended and let every little thing. And again, there's some big things that are hurtful and you got to deal with. But there's also some things that you don't have to let some things ruin your whole day. You can choose to do better than that. Amen? And so there's we're talking about this here. We're, we're going to work through this. But your home life is going to be unstable and unsustainable if you are constantly, nonstop, touchy and resentful, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, and offended over every little thing. You're going to get opportunities every day to be offended, but you're going to have to be a big boy and girl and choose to get over some of these things. Can I get an amen today? Amen. All right. 
And I understand this isn't maybe the deepest theological sermon you've ever heard. Maybe you came today for just some deep theology. We can do that. We can go there. But today, I'm talking about how to have a triumphant family and work through some things. Number two is forgive, forgive, forgive. Number one, don't be easily offended. And number two, forgive, forgive, forgive. Nobody knows you better than your own family other than God. Nobody knows you better, and it is crucial that you don't hold your family members' mistakes over their heads for the rest of their lives. That, I'm being flat-out real about that. Some people, you, you will forgive the thief on the street. You'll forgive the drug dealer. You'll forgive the murderer. You'll forgive whoever, but when it comes to your own family, you hold things over their head from five years ago, last year, last Christmas, 20 years ago, you constantly hold things over their head, and that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. You need to forgive as you have been forgiven. Micah chapter 7, it says that, that he will throw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Isaiah 43 says that I will blot out your sins and your transgressions for my own sake and never think of them again. And then Jesus Christ comes along in the New Testament and says, forgive others as you have been forgiven. And you're like, oh, hey, man, hey, got that. Hey, I remember what you did last Christmas. You ain't doing it this year. You ain't going to get me. Uh Uh-uh. And you hold on and hold things over people's heads. I heard about this one guy. He was talking to his friend. He said, man, I hate getting in arguments with my wife. She always gets historical about everything. He's like, you mean hysterical? No, historical. Whenever we get into a fight, she brings up all of my history, all of my ancient history, everything that I've ever done wrong. She brings up my history. She's historical about it. And, you know, it's kind of silly, but are you? Are you? To your kids? Maybe, you know, some, even some kids to their parents. I remember what you did. Oh, yeah. I don't trust you anymore. And there are, there are deep wounds in some families, but... Does that change what the word of God says? Forgive as you have been forgiven. Freely you've received, freely give. In fact, we love Mark 11. Well, I got them pasted on the walls up there. Some of our favorite foundational Bible verses. You can say to this mountain, be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea. We love this. Amen. But do you realize that the following verses say, hey, before you pray, Forgive anyone that's offended you. Forgive anybody that you have ought or trespass against. It's super important that we as Christians learn to forgive. And some people are like, oh, yeah, I can forgive that, dude. I'm talking about in your own household, in your own family. It needs to start at home. Quit holding your wife's mistakes against her. Wives, quit holding your husband's old thing. I mean, hey, there's some things that need worked through sometimes. I get that. I get that sometimes trust has been broken in some areas. I get that. But it is not our job to be the Holy Spirit in their life and <laughs> convict them and, and, and remind them. Listen, and that's the Holy Spirit's not always doing that. But listen to me. It is not our job to be judge, jury, and executioner. That is a, that's not, it's not fun, man, to be in that spot where you're trying, you've, you've made some, you've messed up before, you aren't perfect, and you know it, and you're not proud of it, but you're at least trying, and then somebody 
brings up your past all the time. You know who else does that? The devil. It's called the accuser of the brethren, and he will bring up things from your past all the time. And so I present for your consideration that if you are constantly bringing up your family members' past mistakes and wrongdoings, if you are consistently bringing those up and they've repented and stopped and are at least trying to do better, then it's not really God's side that you're working for right now. I'm going to let you marinate, mull it over, mull it over somebody. Amen. Mull it. All right. Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Can we go there? Romans 12. Thank you, Jose. You got me. (laughs) Romans chapter 12. So we're trying to help families today. We're trying to help marriages. We're trying to help everybody. And so as we turn here, you know, I was... My mom mentioned earlier, you know, Katie and I got married very young. Uh, She was still in in high school when we got engaged. She's three days older than me, but because I'm so smart, I graduated a previous year. And so that's a joke. (laughs) No, 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 no. I don't know how. I just ended up graduating earlier. So anyway, she, but, so I had already graduated. We get engaged and we get married right at 19 years old. And it's funny to just look back on all the dumb, silly, stupid, we were kids. And, you know, we thought, I look back on it, we left Indiana for our, uh, our honeymoon. We flew to Cancun, Mexico. We, we left the country, and we were just, I mean, we had never lived on our own. To this day, I've never had my own room in my entire life. I went straight from sharing a room with my wonderful little brother that I love so much. You haven't lived until you've shared a room with my brother Joe. That is That is an experience. But anyway... So I went straight from sharing a room with my little brother, and, uh, you know, hey, we got married, and then we moved in together, amen. And so uh, we get there, we stay one night at our apartment, next morning we're off to Mexico. Find out, even to get back in the country, uh, you get, back then, nowadays you got to have a passport or passport card to go either direction. Back then you could get into Mexico with just a driver's license, but the United States wanted a passport to get back in. And so I had a passport, but she didn't. So we land in Houston, and they're like, we need to talk to you. And I'm like, honey, our marriage has been, it's not been, it's been a week. I love you. Don't forget to write, because you're, you're stuck. You're stuck. They're not letting you in. No, I, I wouldn't have left. I'm kidding. So anyway, but I was thinking about these, these verses when I got the revelation. I looked back at, we just, we were immature. We was like a couple of kids getting married, just dumb stuff. Um, back then, I remember one morning, uh, I'd never lived on my own, never really had, you know, that freedom. And so I'm like, dude, I'm a grown man. I'm 19 years old. I want ice cream for breakfast and I'm going to do it. And so I had this habit of, I'd make myself every morning before work, uh, an, an Oreo Sunday and put just this caramel all over it. I'm like, my mama doesn't know. And my wife doesn't know. Oh yeah. And then one morning she walks in and I'm just <laughs> going at it. She's like, what are you doing? I'm having breakfast, man. What are you doing? And so anyway, uh, we worked through that. That was an issue. But <laughs> you got to forgive. You've, I'm, being, I'm trying to be transparent here. And so I remember one day, though, I don't know what happened, but I'm not the only immature one because I'm sitting there watching TV, and she comes in and gives me a wet willy. And if you don't know what a wet willy is, you missed the third grade. But she's like, Boom, right in the ear. And I'm like, it ticked me off. <laughs> like, why would you 
you do that? I'm your husband. I'm your man. And you're going to give me? And so I'm like, oh, I'll get her back. So I'm like, and instead of getting to the ear, boom, right in the nose. Right? Dead serious. Dead serious. And, and so we worked through that one. But I'm like, and so then, like the next day, I'm reading my Bible. I'm like, oh, man, score one for the boys. We showed her. She's not going to do it. I was so proud of myself. I called it the wet billy. It was kind of a move that I patented. But anyway, so I gave it to her. And uh, then I'm reading the Bible shortly thereafter, and I stumble across Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 18. Romans 12, verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. <laughs> the wet billy isn't evil. <laughs> Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Now, I thought it's very honorable when your wife gives you a wet willy to go back at her, but apparently it's not. And so, do, verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Oh, I do. I do that. You probably don't. There's probably a lot more you could do to live at peace with your husband or wife or your children or your parents. I'll bet there's a lot more you could do. There's no way that you have maxed out your capabilities of doing all that you can to be a nice person to live with. I would just venture every person in here, including me, could probably do some things to be a lot better and nicer of a person to live with. But it says right here to do all that you can. And don't pay back evil with more evil. Don't be sitting there thinking about, oh, she did that. I'll tell you what I'll do. Oh, yeah, I got to get thinking of ways to get back at your own family, even if it's little things. But listen to me. It's unbiblical. We are to, as I said earlier, not be easily offended, but also we're to forgive, forgive, forgive. In fact, Matthew chapter 18, Peter says, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody that offends me? Seven times? I don't know. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not seven times, Peter, but I say 70 times seven. And Peter's like, whoa, didn't see that coming. What was Jesus saying? He was saying forgiveness. There needs to be no cap on our forgiveness. Now, we're to forgive people that offend us all the time. I understand. That that doesn't mean I trust everybody. You keep smacking me in the face. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to turn the other cheek. But there's probably going to begin to be some trust issues that I would like to work upon and build upon again. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and let bitterness and unforgiveness Rob me and destroy my heart and destroy my family. I've got nothing greater in this world than my family. And, and you know what I mean? And, and that's the, the biggest gift that God's given me is my wife and my kids. And the devil would love to steal that away. He'd love to steal it away from you. Don't let it happen. You could probably do a little better. Who thinks that you could potentially improve just a little bit? Who knows your spouse can? <laughs> Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13. I'm already going longer than I anticipated, so I'm going to speed it up here. I'm going to speed it up because, as Katie mentioned, just so everyone knows, we will be out of town this week. Don't try to show up to my house. I've got a house sitter, so eh, can't go in. But at the same time, um, we will be gone, uh, and we'll, I'm going as deep into the woods as I can, into the Sequoia National Forest. If you find me... You're incredible, but you will probably not find me. Thank you. Yeah, Virginia knows. She's my Sequoia sister. She loves it up there, too. And so, anyway, 
we won't really be reachable um, and all that stuff. So praise God. But but I'm just telling you, uh, we love you. We're going to be out of town for a little bit. Colossians 3.13, Colossians 3.13. And this is a verse that consistently comes to my mind. I think about this verse all the time. Colossians 3 and verse 13. And man, there's some verses I call that you need to have on speed dial. This is one of them. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive some of the people who offend you. Anyone who offends you, remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Anyone in here that the Lord forgave you of something? I mean, you have been, you've been forgiven. You have not been perfect this whole time. You've been forgiven. And the scripture tells us not that you should forgive other people. You really, really should. It says you must forgive others. And and how many people should you forgive who offend you? Anyone. All. Everyone who offends you. Will this include your very own family and relatives? Yes, it would. Absolutely. The Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. C.S. Lewis said, we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea. Until we have to practice it. Oh, you can pre- I can preach about forgiveness in any church in America and get plenty of amens. And they're like, okay, now you go out and do it. Oh, hey, well, no, no, I thought you were talking about my wife. I thought you were talking about that guy over there. I thought you were talking about my brother. No, we're talking about you. Forgiveness is a beautiful idea, and everybody loves to hear about that because you want everybody to forgive you when you've done something wrong. But guess what? You owe it to them, too. According to the scripture, and you're like, well, yeah, but they did this. Fine, whatever. How about Jesus Christ dying on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. How about that? Nobody has done more wrong to you than what they've done to Jesus. Guarantee it. And Jesus himself forgave. And so I understand that there can be some deep cuts and some deep wounds, but at the same time, that does not void the scripture. That does not cancel it out. Just because a scripture is difficult to obey, it doesn't mean you're exempt from obeying it. Some people are tempted in different areas, but God nowhere in scripture says, well, it's really a struggle for him and his rage. So he's exempt from that one, but you still need to obey all the other ones. No, just because something's hard, I'm sorry, but you still have to obey the scripture. You're not exempt from it. You're not above it. You're not beneath it. And why would God hold all of us to that standard? Because he loves you enough and realizes that if you'll obey it, it'll change your life. Did God tell us things to do in scripture just to make it hard on us? Or because he realized, well, this is going to be funny. Watch her trying to do this. I know she can't do it. She can't do it. No, no. God gave us order in scripture. God gave us guidance and, and rules in scripture because he knows that even if it's really hard, if we'll do it, It'll bring a level of freedom to your life. It'll bring a level of blessing to your life. It will open up doors in your life that you didn't even know existed. So even if some of this is like, yeah, but this guy did this to me, I don't care. The scripture says, forgive anyone who offends you and make allowance for each other's faults. The third thing I'm going to say today is this. We're talking about ingredients to a triumphant family. Number one, don't be so sensitive and easily offended. Number two, forgive, forgive, forgive. And number three, 
God's word. God's word needs to be an absolute priority and foundation in your life. There's a couple of scriptures I want to quickly look at so we can close things down and pray for you. But look at Luke chapter 6. Is anybody still with me today? Luke, you're still with me? All right. Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 46. Come on. Luke 6 verse 46. And I need you to see this. We're talking about making God's word an ingredient and a prime ingredient and the foundation of your household. Because every Christian everywhere, if we say, hey, do you like God's word? There's not a Christian out there that's going to say, no, I don't really like it. Everyone's going to say yes. If I say, hey, do you love the word of God today? Everyone's going to say, "Woo, yeah, I love it. But it's one thing to be all talk. It's another thing to actually do. It's another thing to actually really make God's word a priority in your life. And so you are not going to raise a successful Christian household without the very word of God. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 46, Jesus says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Good question, Jesus. I wonder the same thing myself. Verse 47, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching. What's his teaching? It's his word. And then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation at all. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And so how do you make Jesus the foundation? You come to him, you listen to his teaching, and then the ever-important third step, you do what he says. In both of these examples here, both of these guys, they both did the first two steps, even the, even the bad foundation. He came to Jesus. He even listened to his teaching, but he didn't, number three, do what the word says. And in fact, there's a whole lot of people that, hey, they came to Jesus. They want his blessings. They want his good stuff. They come to him. They, they hear the word. But if you don't do the word, James 1.22, you are deceiving yourself. And so you are not making God's word a priority in that household if you're not coming to Jesus, listening to the word, and then doing what it says. You have to love God's word if you're going to get this foundation. And the final thing I want to show you is Deuteronomy chapter 6. This was a last minute addition to the sermon because I just cannot overlook this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Amen. Who who today, you've maybe seen a little room where you could probably improve a little bit. You're like, hey, you know what? I admit it. I'll shoot my pride down. I could probably do a little bit better than what I've been doing. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to look here at verses 6 through 9. And so this is Moses talking to the people of Israel, giving them instructions and telling them how to raise their kids, telling them how to do their families. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 9. Moses says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. What are God's commands? What's his law? What's his precepts? 
what's his regulations, what's his decrees in the Old Testament, it's talking about the word of God. And so you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands, to the word that I'm giving you today. Look at this. Repeat them again and again to your children. Do you ever repeat Bible verses to your kids? Parents, talking to you, grandparents, do you ever teach your children Bible verses? Do you ever have them learn and memorize Bible verses and repeat them to you? This isn't, I'm, no, I'm not judging. No, I'm saying I'm trying to help you. If you do, it'll really help your life out. It's how the Bible says to raise your kids. And so what does it say to do right here? It says repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting the, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Like, whoa, calm down, Moses. You sound a little obsessed with this thing. What's the big idea here? But this is so crucial. If we would raise our kids like this and repeat to them, honey, I know you're scared, but repeat after me. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power love and a sound mind. Say that with me, honey. Say, say that with daddy. Say that with me. If you would repeat them or, or I, they think that they're going to fail at school. I think they're going to fail in something. No, you repeat after me. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ. You string them. Repeat that to me. And listen, Moses said, don't just do it then. Do it at home. Do it when you're on the road. How many of you, you drive places with your kids? What do you do the whole time? You listen to the radio. They play it on their phones. They what you could be doing is repeating scripture to them. You know, we have a 35-minute drive to school one way every day. Josh and Julie and other kids go, so we get to tag team and carpool. But 150 miles a day round trip, taking our kids to school five days a week, 150 miles a day every single day. And so there's a lot of time there to do a lot of things. We can argue. We can fight. We can drink slushies. There's a lot of things you can do. One thing you could do is Give the Bible to one of the kids and say, hey, read a couple chapters to me along the way. Well, that, your kids are going to hate that when they grow up. I didn't hate it. I grew up pretty good, and I love my life, and I'm glad that my parents. Someone told me when I was a teenager, man, your parents, they're, you're, they're, they're gonna, they force this down your throat. Like, they're not forcing anything down my throat. I want this. I, I want this because I've seen how jacked up your family is. Oh, I didn't say that, but anyway. Don't say that. Don't say that to people. But listen. I don't regret having my parents teach me script. We took the Bible so seriously that any time my dad sneezed, he said a Bible verse. You think I'm joking? Any time, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I've been healed. Amen. <laughs> any time my mom answered the phone growing up, she didn't say hello. Every time, 100% of the time, ring, ring, Jesus loves you. Every time growing up. Dude, your mom just told me Jesus loves me. I know, I know. <laughs> but anyway, Moses says to repeat it while they're driving. And so, you know, I'm not, I, I, we need to take this serious, okay? And so I've done a lot of probably things wrong as a parent, okay? I'll be the first to admit it. I've done dumb things. I've said dumb things. I've made a lot of mistakes, a lot more mistakes in 12 years than I thought that I would. There's a couple things that I could say, you know what, I think that I'm headed in the right direction with this. And one of them is teaching my kids scripture. And another is doing this even on the way to school. And so 
we, the, they go to the Christian school in Victorville, and they have you tabulate the Bible verses. And last year, Isaac kept reading the most Bible verses. He was doing about 980 verses a month that he was reading. And I'm like, go, Isaac. That's awesome, brother. Nearly 1,000 verses a month. And am I saying that to brag? No, what I'm saying is this. Hey, I've done a lot of just stupid things. Uh, I used to make pancakes every single morning, seven days a week. Joel got dehydrated. I've done some dumb things, okay? You can't do that. I gained a lot of weight. I like pancakes. But I've done some dumb things. But I do know this much as a parent and as being a part of a family. If I do things like the Bible says, I'm not that far off the path. And I don't want just my kids to read a bunch of scripture. It's one thing to say, you know, hey, he read a thousand verses. That's a good thing. But what makes me even more happy is when they're in a bad situation and they quote the scripture themselves. Amen? And that's what I'm talking about today. Ingredients for a triumphant family. You can't be touchy and easily offended and, and, and sensitive all the time. You've got to forgive and not hold their mistakes and faults over their head all the time. And you need to take God's word very, very seriously. Even if your kids are teenagers now and you haven't done much Bible reading, just start getting it into them some way, somehow. Even if you're a grandparent and now you're just talking to the grandkids, start getting it in their lives. It is the number one best thing you can do. And there's a lot more that goes into raising a family, as we all know. But I know just these three simple things are some of the key ingredients. And our heart and our goal, our whole mission statement says that we are a family church equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. We love families. We love marriages. We love seeing moms and dads get married. We love seeing babies born. We love seeing marriages restored and families being triumphant and overcoming everything that comes against them. It is our heartbeat. It is our passion at High Desert Word Center is your families and your marriages and your kids. And so I present all this for your consideration today on how you can have a triumphant family. Can we get an amen today? Amen. All right. Let's stand up together. Can we stand up? Praise the Lord. I intended to go a little bit shorter than that, but I felt that you were listening, so I kept going. It's your fault. I was trying to get you to lunch at a very decent time today, but you guys just kept saying amen. So anyway, come on up. Uh, we're going we're gonna to present prayer now. If you're here today and you need prayer for anything at all, we want to pray for you, whatever your need may be. It doesn't matter if you're here and you have not really given your life to Jesus. We want to make that available. There's no reason that you should leave here today not knowing that you are a born-again child of God going to heaven. We can take care of that really quick. But also, maybe some of this spoke to you today, and you're like, you know what? I need prayer for my marriage. I need prayer for my family, prayer for my kids. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. Josh is going to lead us in a worship song for a few minutes. If you need prayer, come up to the prayer team and get it right now. Amen. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted when you were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. 
amazing love how can it be that you my king would die for me amazing love I know it's true it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me. Because you died and rose again. Amazing love. How can it be? That you, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. Amazing love, how can it be? You, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. That it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. King would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. That it's my joy to honor you in all I do.
right? And that is how we can come and say this Barstow Faith Confession, right? Because that's how we change our city, right? Praise the Lord. So you ready to say it with me today? And we'll close and you can go eat lunch without fighting over a chicken wing. Praise the Lord. Okay. We're ready? May where we at? Barstow is. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen.